Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host Mike Laidman, and I am joined with none other than Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our <laughs> past. You okay over there? I just thought I was funny. Okay, I, I had a feeling you felt that you were funny. I usually do. But you're wrong. So each and every week we take a movie from our past and we look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high praise of classic films afloat or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing, hun? I'm okay. I thought, How are you? I thought you'd be all like, I'm offended that you said that I'm not funny. I don't think you didn't say I'm not funny. Did well, you? sorry that that wasn't funny. Yeah, that that wasn't funny. I'm usually pretty funny. You can be funny. I'll give you that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, here, here we are. Here are doing another episode. And, and I got to say, this is going to be an interesting one because I think this is the longest time between watching the episode and recording the episode. That watching the episode. Sorry. Watching the movie and then recording in the episode about it. So I don't know how fresh the details are going to be. Normally we record the day or the day after we watch the movie. Yeah, but life got in the way. And by life, I mean your computer broke. My computer broke. My brand new computer. Oh my my quote unquote brand new computer. Oh my God. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Like this new computer has like our old computer that we're currently running on. Yes is awful and somehow it is kicking the new computer's butt yes because as soon as we were given the new computer it, it broke it, it broke and then, and then it broke we again fixed it and then it broke again and like i just i don't get it it's a fancy fancy computer. it is a very fancy it's it's the kind of computer that has a big open case on the side like a glass so you can like watch yeah. the computer computing you can see all the neon inside of it and meanwhile like this piece of crap from 2014 is just trucking away yeah, like I don't, I can't believe this computer is that old. Yep. Wow. You know what, though? I miss, I, we had a computer, the one that we had before this one. Oh, that computer was great. Never any issues. And then a power outage. A power fried outage it. fried it. Just yeah. completely killed it. Killed and the didn't you board. have like a surge protector too? Yeah, it, it didn't make any sense because everything else that was on it was fine. It was just yeah. the computer, there was, we had a power outage and the motherboard died. Yeah, and it, was, it was just like, I'm done. Yep. I've, I've worked hard for many years. And which, now it's, which was it's, a shame. It's time for me to retire I as a computer. That. I loved that computer. Yeah, it was probably it was, the best computer I've ever had. But we're not talking about computers today. Oh, no. This wait, isn't that's a computer my, podcast. My other podcast is a podcast where I talk about computers. This is the podcast where I talk about movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, And this, sometimes computers when we did The Matrix. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that makes sense because is, is, are, we, are, we, are we still in The Matrix? We I might be. We, I think we are in The Matrix. Oh, shit. It's a simulation of our basement. Always and forever, because we never leave the house. Pretty much. <laughs> this week, this week. Before oh, we I'm over this shit, I'll tell you that. Before we depress each other anymore. <laughs> this week, we will be talking about Death Becomes Her, which originally hit theaters back in 1992. Some people will go to any length to stay young forever. Is that someone? It's Madeline Ashton. Oh, she was a big star in the 60s. I thought she was dead. But Madeline Ashton and her old friend, Helen Sharp. I've lost men to her before. Mad Hill. Are about to go too far. A touch of magic. Drink that potion and you'll never grow even one day older. Bottoms up. No warning. 
Now a warning? Siempre viva! Live forever! Ernest, I'm in the morgue. They think I'm dead. You are, but you're not. Are you telling me it doesn't hurt when I do <laughs> this? It doesn't hurt. She's dead! She's dead, Ernest. Now he's dead. He's dead? <laughs> Ernest is dead? Everybody's dead! <laughs> Pushed me down the stairs. I'm so sweaty. I don't think it's sweat, honey. I think you're defrosting. Universal Pictures presents Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis. It's a miracle! And Goldie Hawn. Look at me. I'm soaking wet. Death becomes her. Oh, hun, let me take you back to the time of the early 90s where everything was good and nothing was bad. I don't know. I was I was, <laughs> okay. se- I was seven, and I just remember the early 90s being a good time to be. I mean, grunge was hot. Hey, 1992 was when the X-Men cartoon came out. I was pretty happy about that. I mean, Backstreet Boys were, were teaching us how to dance again. I don't know. What? I what does know. that even mean? I don't know. Backstreet uh, Voice teaching us how to okay. dance again. Literally, do you want to know what's crazy? Because I always talk about always. how when I was a kid, mm. we didn't have much in the way of TV, and then we got Fox. Yes. I just assumed, this is going somewhere, I just assumed it was because somehow our TV signal got stronger. No, no, no. It is because Fox became a thing. Oh, really? Okay. So- July 1st of 1992, the Fox Broadcasting Network added Wednesday night TV programming. Like, literally, there was nothing there on Wednesday nights before then. What? That makes no sense. What did they show? I don't, Infomercials? I don't know. Maybe. Reruns of the shows that they already I don't, showed? I don't think so. But like, so I looked more into this because I knew you'd call me out on it. Good, because this is what you should be doing. So in 1990, <laughs> not, sorry, not 1997, 1987, Fox came on the air Sunday nights only. Uh, yeah, because I was going to say, like, The Simpsons has been on longer than 1992. So how. Yeah, but that was Wednesday, that 1992. Yeah. 1987, it was Sundays. And that was like, they had a few things, including, I didn't realize Married with Children was like one of their first shows. It was like the first night of programming. That really? Wow. I loved Married with Children growing up. I absolutely loved Married with Children. And I still do love Married with Children. So to learn that was one of their first shows and it survived as long as it did was kind of cool. And then it added Saturdays and Mondays through 1989. And then it was Wednesdays. Wow. That's uh, right. Like I had no idea. It was like bit by bit they added nights of programming, which like makes sense. Like Saturday they introduced things like they had like night shows like that were they had like um Joan um Hart night show that like didn't do great. Like they had tons of I know they're just throwing darts at a wall for a long time. Cause like I remember what I remember of Fox was nineteen ninety-three X Files came out. Yeah. On Sunday nights. Yeah. So, like, to learn that a year and a half before that, like, they didn't even have programming for, like, that. Like, this, it blew my mind. That Yeah, that's like, insane to me, to me. like, the X-Files is, like, 
I knew the X-Files was a show that really brought people to Fox, especially because its first season, it was like 89th or something like that in the ratings. And like still like i just it it boggles my mind that oh like a year and a half before that they didn't even have programs seven days a week like anyway so that was just like one of those weird trippy moments of like yeah that's why we did that's how we got fox programming as a kid they just didn't exist before that that's weird like think about (laughs) did it break your brain a little because it broke mine yeah because now it's like we have more content than we could ever watch yeah and back then, it's like, oh, we don't have, you know, we don't have programming six days a week. I still got to show our child Wheel of Fortune. When I was his age, I was obsessed with Wheel of Fortune. And he loves numbers, and he loves letters, and he loves lights, and he loves music. Like, I feel like Wheel of Fortune is right up that kid's alley. <laughs> oh, something that, that boggles my mind, going back to a point you were talking about a moment ago, is that you haven't used this podcast as an excuse to watch the X-Files movies yet. Oh, it's on the list. I know. We have to get through season five first fair okay well you won't understand the, the bees and stuff hun the, the bees not the bees you don't see you don't understand no i'm making bee comments it's a it's a nicholas cage impersonation i understand but you still don't understand anyway on july 18th singers whitney houston and bobby brown marry the same day that our boy Roger Ebert marries Chaz Hamill Smith. I only include it because I always like to include a Roger Ebert note at the end. You are a big fan of his. Yeah. I just, he's the big, he's like the, the number one name brand. Name brand. Name brand. <laughs> you know, you, you know, Leonard Moulton is not getting the much love on this show, I got to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know who I always think of when you say Leonard Moulton? I think of what's his name, who's not Leonard Moulton, but he looks similar. I mean, he might not even look similar. His name is similar. Okay. He was on Sabrina. A guy on Sabrina who looks like- I his- don't even- his name. Oh, wait. Do you mean the guy that was also in- um, Oh, God. I know exactly what you're talking about. He was in one of the movies we did recently, too. He's only in it for like 30 seconds. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. No, I know exactly who you're talking about. That that's not Leonard Moulton, no. <laughs> it's Martin Mull. Martin Mull, yeah. Martin Mull was um, he was in Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> that's not even close, but I've always confused. Leonard. There's a mole part to it. They sort of have a similar look. Like their 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 beard and hair colors are very different, though. <laughs> They're not the same at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I always confuse them. Well, I don't No, They don't look alike at all. I don't know what's wrong. Am I thinking of the wrong person? I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of the right person. They don't look similar. They're both probably at the same age, but they don't. See, I'm trying to, I'm trying to defend you and make yourself. No. Okay. Then you suck Uh, and you blow it. Someone who doesn't look anything like either of them on July 22nd, Colombian drug Lord Pablo Escobar escaped from prison. Yeah, that's fair. He doesn't look like either of them. And then on July 25th, the 25th Olympic Games open in Barcelona, Spain. So anyway. <laughs> you think about your boy Martin Mole here? <laughs> Sorry, Laughing Martin at Mole. yourself. <laughs> you know now. You know now that anytime Martin Mole shows up in any movies we watch. I got Leonard Mole. 
Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I almost feel like I should p- change my pick to get a Martin Mole movie. Oh, there. God. I feel like I know what you're going to pick, but I'm not going to say it. Okay. Well, we'll see when we get to the end. Okay. So, you want to hear about the box office for yes. 1992? Yes, please. A year before my parents. No, my parents might have taken me to the movies around this time. You know what? I feel like we did see one of these movies. Uh, summer 1992 was dominated by Batman Returns. It held the top spot for three whole weeks. That followed by a series of one-week number ones with classics such as A League of Their Own, which is a lovely movie we should definitely watch. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which I'm pretty sure my parents took us to see. Uh, Mo Money, and then Death Becomes Her, which came in at a very respectable for the time, $12.1 million. Very good. It was in number one for one week and was beaten by the movie Unforgiven, which took in $15 million. So like I said, pretty respectable. $15 million was actually a record-breaking debut for a weekend debut in the month of August. So again, $12 million for a movie that really was driven by its stars and director and not so much like it wasn't like, you know, Iron Man or something. This is a movie that was driven by its star power, not mm. anything else at the time, which isn't so much a thing anymore it's franchises not yeah people. really it's it doesn't matter who the star is i mean yeah. unless you're is this well maybe I was tom cruise, say tom cruise. Did, uh, mission impossible he, yeah but is are people coming to see tom cruise in mission impossible or are they coming to see mission impossible featuring tom cruise that one okay do you think if they did another tom or another nah, if they did a mission impossible movie Without Tom Cruise. No, it's it's a combo platter. You, it's, it's lightning in a bottle, the yeah. two together. But what makes me sad is the next Mission Impossible won't have Henry Cavill in it. And that makes me sad. But meanwhile, they keep bringing that bad guy back. So maybe Henry Cavill somehow survived. Spoilers for Mission Impossible. You know, it's been over like three years. People can, you know, suck it. Mm-hmm. Should we not talk about spoilers in the movies we're discussing? They came out like 20 years ago. That's <laughs> different. The other movie's a lot more recent. So anyway... Darling, yes. have you ever seen this movie before? I have seen it. Oh! And I saw it, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I saw it at the drive-in. Huh. With Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. What an interesting pairing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because like, there's stuff about this movie that I remember very clearly, but a lot of this movie I do not remember at all. Basically, I remember this movie from the staircase scene mm-hmm. through they go to the party at the end. Interesting. And I didn't remember anything else about the movie. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, like like not not to say I remembered it perfectly, but I remembered you know a lot of the big moments from like her at the bottom of the stairs and and you know the hole and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So I, I have seen it, but that was it. Like I, I, the funny, I, I completely forgot that this movie existed until you made oh. it. Until you made a pick, I, I, I remembered it, but I didn't. It's not something I think of. Like I forgot who was in it until wow. I until I had to get the poster to you know when you were or no, you might have mentioned who was in it, and I was like, really? That that makes sense to me now, but I don't. I don't think about it. It's that. got some great names. Yeah. So I, that, that's me. So I, I'm sure, obviously, you must, it, it must have registered with you in some way for you to want to have it as one of your picks. Yeah. No, this was a movie that I remember. I had a couple neighbors growing up. I was a group in the middle of nowhere, but somehow managed to have two girls on my street that were about the same age as me and which lucked out 
immensely until we became teenagers and were terrible to each other. Because you're you are teenage girls. Yeah. And all you have is hate in your heart for other teenagers. Being girls. a thirteen year old girl is hard. So give us a break. We're all terrible. Every wow. single one. I know. I, I I've heard the stories. So anyway. Oftentimes, and it was the same situation with um, when we did Interview with the Vampire, like our parents would rent a movie, we'd watch the movie with the parents, and then have our friend over like the next day while the movie was still in our possession. I'd be like, oh, we watched this movie last night. It's so adult. Let's watch it. It's adult. Well, you know, it's like- I get it. It's a movie for adults. It's not a kid movie. Let's watch it. And that was the case. I, I remember watching it at my neighbor's house, and uh, I remember her being like, "Oh, you know, it's it's because we we'd watch horror movies all the time too, right?" So she's like, "Oh, there's they get shot, and you could see through a girl's stomach, and it's gory, and blah blah blah." Yes. And I remember the movie. I feel like I remember it being the slapstick was amplified in my memory, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember I remember certain scenes. I remember um, the transformations. I remember the potion. I remember getting pushed down the stairs. I remember them falling down the stairs at the end and falling apart. Mm-hmm. But that's that's really most Oh, I remember Goldie Hawn going from like mousy woman to crazy fat woman to gorgeous woman. But I remember a lot in my mind. It was different that like they got the potion earlier in the movie and it was them, like in my mind, I was thinking it was them always fighting to get more of the potion, which is obviously wrong because we mm. watched the movie and that's not what happens. But that's how I had remembered it, which again, not correct. Mm-hmm. So I was very interested in watching this movie again. Well, we did watch this movie again. <gasps> yes. So, so let's get into it right off the bat. I didn't write anything down for this movie. Yeah, you're crazy. What the hell? I, yeah, I, I don't know what it was. I just didn't... Maybe my fingers were greasy from the pizza. I don't know. but oh, I, Yeah, it was a pizza it night. Was you were like, we night. need to have pizza. And I was like, all right. Why not? I wanted pizza. That's fine. It was it was an excuse to eat pizza. Pizza was good. It was. It was delicious. Yeah, for whatever reason, I wrote down nothing for this movie except the title. So let's hope with the big gap between watching the film and recording that I don't forget everything. Yeah, you blew it. Everything, but Especially since- I was just enjoying the ride. You, yeah, you didn't write very much either, it looks like. You know what? It was crazy. It was one of those movies where, like, it's very much a plot-driven, despite the content, Mm -hmm. where, like, I found the effects are great. Meryl Streep gets her neck broken and head spun around, and Goldie Hawn has a bullet wound, like a shotgun bullet wound through her belly. So it's not even, like, a small wound. It is, like, a huge, like, cannonball shot through her stomach. Yeah. Because well, he shoots a, her with like a hunting rifle. Yeah. It's a shotgun. Well, it's like a big hunting. It's like an elephant gun. Yeah. For hunting elephants. Yes, I'm aware. I'll give you such a pinch. Do you remember that? No. No. It's Looney Tunes. Okay. This is the duck season, rabbit season. Oh, one. I see. God, best one they ever did. Right. Anyway. But no, like, so I, I found that like, despite- the really cool effects and storyline and everything. Really what what drives the movie is the characters and the story, which I mean, in a movie starring Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, and Bruce Willis, how can you be surprised by that? Especially like Goldie Hawn isn't always known for her acting prowess, especially compared to Meryl Streep. 
but she is a really enjoyable actress to watch on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing with Bruce Willis. Like, he's not known as like, oh, this. He's not usually. A, he's not Academy Award winner. Well, either. But I mean, this is a comedy, right? And it's not something he's usually known for, especially th- th- this time. He's like an action star because of Die Hard. But at the same time, people who. He, it's not that far to the 80s. He still would have been the known for moonlighting. Yeah. Or moonstruck. Yeah. Moonlighting. No, that's true. I guess because I'm so like, I know Bruce Willis from the kind of movies I watch Bruce Willis in, right? So to me, it seemed odd. Mm. And he, it's, it, it makes more sense when you read like some of the trivia and the behind the scenes stuff that, that it was originally written for uh, Kevin Klein and he dropped out. So funny. So that, that, uh, that made so much more sense to me. I feel like he did a good job, but could you imagine Kevin Klein yeah, in that role? Kevin Klein would have killed it. Oh my god! Like I, I think Bruce Willis did do a good job with it. I think he he managed to pull off like this drunken fall from grace doctor who is now like he's not even a mortician because he's not doing the like. Well, I guess maybe he does do that, but he he's more focused on like making the bodies look good, not like with the makeup and stuff. And he's using ma- that's one of the things I remember is him using the mannequin spray on the bodies. I remember that. I don't remember that. No. Well, I mean, I remember from watching it now, but I did not remember that. Yes, but I think he did a good job. But like you think of it, literally the first thing I wrote down when we were watching this movie, because the film opens up with Meryl Streep, who is a, an actress who's had a bit of a, a fall from grace performing on broadway and people are just like walking out of this place she like it's a musical she's doing yeah and And it's so funny but like why were people just they were walking out of this play in droves in disgust and i'm like it doesn't seem terrible like it's not the worst play that you could like you guys paid good money probably for these seats just see considering where it was yeah yeah but like she she could literally play anything i i've i've never seen mama mia but she did really well with the dance and stuff. And the song. But I mean, yeah. like, I feel like there, there's supposed to be more context about like, hey, what a terrible song. Because it was not a great, like she sung it well, but it wasn't a good song. No, it wasn't like, it wasn't Hamilton. No. But I mean, it wasn't it like. It was this weird disco song. But even then, almost. it wasn't like storm out of the theater in disgust bad. Yeah. Which is what most of the audience was doing. Yeah, they, they were storming out like. The song that they show during the opening credits, was that intended? Would you say that was the finale of the? Because I was I, under the impression that it was the beginning of the show and people were walking. I had a feeling drugs. it was like near the intermission. Okay. I don't know what put it in my mind that people were like sneaking out halfway through. Because who would show up for, and leave during the opening number? Maybe it was that bad and we didn't see it. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. But like, so well, Helen's Goldie Hawn. Mm. She she brings Bruce Willis, her her new beau, her fiance, her fiance, to meet Madeline, who's Meryl Street, who is she's a falling star in Hollywood, but still a recognizable name who does have that star effect on men. Mm-hmm. And apparently, this is a test for Bruce Willis to be like, will he leave me for you know Madeline? Which is like. Girl, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, because apparently that's something that happens all the time. Is anytime any of her boyfriends meet Madeline, she steals them because Madeline is not a good person. She's not a good person, and she's so alluring that men can't leave her alone. Which is funny because, like, and they they do they they frump up Goldie Hawn a bit at the beginning. Yes, 
but let's be real here. Goldie Hawn and both of the women in the movie, they're both in their like late 40s when this is filmed. Hmm. I'm sorry, but if I look as good as Goldie Hawn does in that movie, when I'm that age, in her frump stage in hmm. that movie, I will be delighted. She is gorgeous. There is a reason why Kurt Russell has been a loving husband to her for so long and she is just a shining light of a human being and that is why she's beautiful and she's sweet and she just seems like she's so fun and like to see her as a frump character she does a good job but she's still goldie hawn Mm -hmm. part of me was like all she had to do was turn on the charm a bit and madeline couldn't because like Meryl Streep's a great actress, but I mean, come on, apples and oranges here. Like, Goldie Hawn is Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. I love Goldie Hawn. I, uh, considering how many times you said Goldie Hawn in the last minute, I'd say so. I really, really would love it if Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell adopted me. Uh, I'll get a petition started for they're you. Just, they just seem like great people. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, that, that scene happens where she's like, I, I was worried that, that she'd steal you from me. And he's like, I'm not interested in her at all. And then it quick cuts to his wedding with Madeline, which I thought was very funny. Okay, but not just that. Why does Helen go to the wedding? Yeah, well, I mean, she goes to the wedding so that it can have her standing menacingly at the back. That's why. Yeah, and she goes, obviously legit bonkers. Mm-hmm. seeing the man she loves marrying what I guess is her best friend, who is a terrible friend. Yes. And I was like, why would you go to the wedding? Unless you were there to like poison everyone. Cause like, or like, well, she was upstairs. She came down from the balcony. Maybe she was trying to like, Mrs. Bouvier. Maybe, you know? but like she's, I, why, you, you see her, she's a mousy type character, right? Mm-hmm. You see her as like, she's mousy. And try, so like if Madeline had invited her to the wedding, she probably would have been like, Okay. Probably. That's probably exactly what happened. But yeah, she she goes crazy and the movie jumps forward seven years. Mm -hmm. And Helen is in her apartment full of cats. She's wearing a fat suit. She's watching an old movie of Madeline Madeline. Madeline on TV. She's full of nuts. And and that's one of the scenes I remember too, is the cops show up to evict her and she's just lost it. And like- She's watching a scene of Madeline being killed on- And she just keeps rewinding it because she loves watching Madeline eat it. Yes. Over and over again. And she winds up in a mental institution and like she just goes crazy. And then it skips forward another seven years. And- Madeline and Bruce Willis. I can't remember Bruce Willis's name. Dick? No, it's not Dick. Dudley? <laughs> it's not Dudley. I feel like it's a D name. It's Ernest. Ernest. There you go. I wanted to say Ernesto, Ernesto? which is very close. Ernesto. It was close. It's closer than I was anyway. Yeah. So it cuts forward to you see Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis and their beautiful mansion in the Hollywood Hills. And Meryl Streep is obsessed with trying to capture her youth. And Bruce Willis is drunk and unfaithful and hides up in the attic. And Was he unfaithful? I'm pretty sure. I mean, they- They uh, allude to it a lot. Well, they- no, They, they allude to she, both of them Well, cheating. she's, a, a she's unfaithful. full on cheating. They full on show it, yes. But I felt like he wasn't- I think he was just depressed until Goldie Hawn showed up. 
Well, maybe. Yeah, that's, he's, that's the impression I got was maybe, that he yeah. was he had been not faithful, but just beaten down to to not even bother. Yeah, because he's he's an alcoholic. Obviously, yeah. he's lost his medical practice because he's he gets a call and it's an emergency, and it's it's about literally making a corpse look good. It's not he's not a plastic surgeon because that's what he was. He was, he was a, plastic, a plastic surgeon, yeah. and he's like lost his license to practice medicine, and now he uses mannequin paint on corpses to make them look good. So and they're both having a rough time and they get this invitation to Helen's book it's release. A, it's a book release, yeah. Yeah. So Helen has released a book about living for like young forever, some forever young. Yeah. And Madeline being, because obviously they've got a very mean girl relationship and Madeline only wants to go to make herself feel better for seeing Helen again, which she last she's heard of Helen, she was probably still a very heavy woman. She's fat and crazy. Fat and crazy. So she's like, hmm, this will make me feel good. But she obviously she wants to make herself look good. So she goes to get, you know, her her pampering and her spa treatment and the whole thing. And she shows up and she's already had this treatment she wants to get in like a certain amount of time. You can only do yeah, it. You can't do it so close to to doing it recently or something like that. Yeah. So they they give her the information of someone who might be willing to help her. And it's not a doctor. This is when I forgot Isabella Rosalini is in this. Mm -hmm. And this is back when, you know, Isabella Rosalini was, and she still is a beautiful woman, but this was like, again, peak Isabella Rosalini time. And she's basically naked through the whole movie. Yeah. Just so that you're not all like, obviously she's, you know, looking good, but I did read the scenes where she's swimming in the pool is a body double. I'm not shocked. Yeah. So, and any of that nudity where you don't see her face. I mean, obviously it's not full nudity, but. You know. It's not. She wears a lot of clothing where it's like big, heavy necklaces that cover her breasts. With and no stuff. shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's, it's not nudity, nudity, but it, she's not wearing clothes. You see a butt. You see a butt. Yep. You see under boob. Yep. Side boob. Yep. And she offers her basically a potion that does like almost immediately revert her back to probably early 40s, late 30s. Mm -hmm. And promises her she basically, and the deal is one, they ha she has to pay out the nose for it. Mm -hmm. And two, she has to promise that after 10 years, she removes herself from the limelight in any way she wants. She can fake car accident, fake plane crash, fake murder. Or, as she puts it, or as one of my clients once said, I want to be alone. So, it alludes to the fact that, like, all these celebrities have gone to her before. Yes. Meryl Streep is feeling, oh, but, like, she, yeah, because she goes to the party first, right? No, the party's later. No. No, no, she, wait, she goes, she goes, she to, goes the party, to the party and she sees Goldie Hawn. And that's when she goes to, after she goes to, yeah, because she sees Goldie Hawn and that's when we see Goldie Hawn. She looks goes, yeah, she goes to the party and then she goes to her lover. And the lover rejects her because he's got another woman there. Who's and, young and beautiful. And then she goes. Yes. To the, yeah. But yeah. So, but we see Goldie Hawn and she's wearing this beautiful red dress and her hair is beautiful and her, she's luminous. She is the Goldie Hawn that you would expect Goldie Hawn to be in a movie. Mm -hmm. Like she looks great. And it just crushes Meryl Streep to see what it was her ugly friend be beautiful. Yep. And now, and younger, look younger. That's a big thing too. Cause she looks younger and that's it drives her over the edge. And of course, all along, it turns out Helen's plan has been to steal, not only steal the Aranus back, 
but to murder Madeline. Yeah. Like she's, but then, so we learn from Madeline going to see Isabel Rosalini that this potion costs, it's a very steep cost, blah, blah, blah. Like you never see what the cost is, but she tells her. And at first Madeline's like, no way. And then she could see, sees what the potion can do. And then she's like, okay, I'm on board. It doesn't matter what the cost is. The last time we saw Helen, she was getting dragged out of her apartment. Because she couldn't pay her That rent. was full of cats. Yeah. And very small because she couldn't pay her rent and was in an insane asylum. One, how did she get in contact with Isabella Rosalini? Yeah, because you find out later that she's taking the potion as well. Yeah, it turns out she's taking the potion. That's why she looks so great and everything's going great for her. But how did she pay for it? This is true, because they were like, it's her first book. Yeah, it's not like she wrote a book, got rich, and then used this money from that to pay for the potion. No, yeah. this is and like they never allude or they never say for sure it's money. It's true. They say they, they say there's a cost. But the thing here is it's still contact to get in contact with Isabella Rosalini. Mm-hmm. So who did she know that got Yeah, she's her- like in the insane asylum and she's like, that's how I'll get my revenge. And it's like, wait, what? How did she know any of that? Well, she was in the insane asylum. Yeah, so that's kind of the big thing is like it could have been the cost could have been something not money. It could have been, you know, it could be a soul yeah, or yeah. like who knows? Like who knows what it is? But that's that was my biggest question. It's like, how did she get the potion? She's obviously had the potion. She looks great. And she's roping Ernest into this murder plot. But like, can I just say, I, I did check it out. So when this movie was made, Goldie Hawn was 47. Wow. Okay. Yep. Meryl Streep was 43. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Willis was 37. So this continues our streak of these movies that we've been watching from this era where the female actress is actually not only the same age as the male actor, but a bit older. Mm-hmm. And like nowadays, like you lo- look at every movie that has like Tom Cruise in it. He's always paired with a woman who's 30 years younger than him. And mm-hmm. it's just like, gross. But like the fact that their age difference is not only so small, but like the women are actually older is is something that we don't see as much anymore. And I kind of I miss it. I mean, I hate to say it, but 43 isn't decades off for me. So to know that. So I, to know that you can get a younger man. When, and know I could get a younger Bruce Willis. Good to know that you're already plotting my death and or leaving me no. for younger men. No, you just need to take the potion and be younger. You trade me in for a younger model. No. No, but you see what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. When they do the de-aging, they don't go so far that they look 20 again. Yeah. Like, they still look 35 to 40 years old. Mm-hmm. I would say that makes sense for like the story of like they could get away with their career for another 10 years without having to disappear. But then, so this has like been the first two-thirds of the movie. This is all this setup. Like, it turns out that Helen's plotting with Bruce Willis to kill Madeline, Madeline's taking the potion, da 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 Madeline shows up and like Bruce Willis is like on the face, he's like, no, I can't kill my wife. Oh, but maybe. And oh, but uh, I don't know what to do. And then Madeline shows up. And she insults him. She belittles him and emasculates him and just yells at him and is, I would say probably the exact Madeline that drove him to drink 
six years earlier. Probably. And he strangles her and accidentally, not accidentally, sort of accidentally, then. No, he full on, like, he. He strangles he, her. He comes to his senses, realizes what he's done. And then when he's reaching out to save her, she belittles him again. Yeah. And then he pushes her. Yeah. Yeah. And then down the stairs, she goes. Forever. Forever. Because it's a long staircase. It's mm-hmm. a really, really long staircase. And she breaks her neck. And like every other bone in her And body. every other, but like, and like her neck is all the way twisted around. And uh, he, he immediately calls Helen, which I mean, is your first mistake. And Helen's like, yeah, what, have, what have you done? The cops will know that you called me kind of a thing. Yeah. Then she gets up and then, then it gets silly, but in like a fun way. It is silly. They go to like, so Madeline gets up and like twists herself back around her heads backwards and they turn her head back around and they're all confused. Like what the hell is going on? Well, turn they go to the ER and the doctor's like, she's dead. And yeah. he just like loses his mind and he has like a heart attack. Yeah. He dies. It's a, it's actually very, very subtle that he, during the conversation, when he starts to realize that she's dead, you see him take something. Mm-hmm. And the assumption is, is that he's taking his nitroglycerin, which is what you would take for a bad heart. And then the next time you see him, he's died of a heart attack. Yeah. he They're trying to revive him because he's died of a heart attack after mm-hmm. seeing basically the living dead. Yep. So they they get out of the, the hospital and that's when, because uh, Madeline ha- or Helen has showed up to help bury or get rid of the evidence and stuff. Yeah. And not knowing that Madeline not knowing, is, not knowing that she's actually not alive, but she is living dead. She is the living dead. And she doesn't look terrible for the living dead, but like the pallor in her skin is already starting to fade. Like, you know, everything's starting to like loosen up a little already. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get the iconic scene of Madeline pulling out the shotgun. And putting two slugs right through the middle of Goldie Hawn mm-hmm. and f- throwing her docks into a fountain. So, you, you know, immediately you think she's dead. Yep. And Bruce Willis is having a fit. And what do you know? She climbs her now dead butt out of- Out of the water. Out of the water. And that's when you learn that she's taking the potion as well. But it's pretty, as an audience member, it was like, you knew right away she'd taken the potion as well. Like- well, the second she got out of the water. Yeah, well, but even awful. then, I would say because like, oh, so she's young and beautiful too. This is where this is going. Mm-hmm. And that's when they all realize that the potion doesn't so much make you young as it just makes you like freezes everything in place. It rewinds a bit and then freezes. And then you're stuck like that. There is yeah. no, like, you're not going to die. And good thing or... Ernest has got these skills as a, a mortician, mortician yeah. because he can make them look beautiful again, but he wants nothing to do with He's them. done. He wants out. He, he's he's decided to be free. He, mm-hmm. wanted, he doesn't want anything to do with either of them anymore. But then they, they come to the realization that, you know, what he's done to make them look beautiful again will be temporary mm-hmm. and they will need him forever. So yep. they've decided that he needs the potion too, and they take him to meet Isabella Rosalini as well. But that's the thing, and I wonder because, like, they tell—I guess they tell Isabella Rosalini, like, you know, he can keep us looking young forever, even if we die. Yeah, like, are they paying for his? Because he just—they must. She be. just gives it, you know. But like, she seems very invested in him having it too, because I guess she realizes at some point she could have a terrible accident and need to look 
beautiful forever too. But like, there's other people who could do that task. Like you could just learn. Yeah. But they're very, they're all very upset. Maybe it's because he knows the secret that they're like, we have to keep him quiet. Maybe. Why not just kill him? They can't be the first time that anyone has ever had this issue. No, absolutely not. That that has taken the potion, I mean, specifically. No, for sure. And I, I agree with you. So it was very like, huh. I couldn't figure out really why they needed him to take the potion too, but they were both obsessed well, so with that him. he could be around. Oh, I, I understand, forever, but like, yeah. why? Why does it have to be? I know there's there's other people who could do it. I mean, really, because he did a good job. I think partially is they both still loved him too. I feel like they loved themselves more than they loved. Oh, him. true. But they were attached to him anyway, and he runs away from them. And you see, the, they go to this. There's a huge party going on at Isabella's role. And that's when you see like James Dean is there and Elvis is there and Marilyn Monroe is there. Yeah. Like all these like old Andy celebrities. Yeah, that died young are actually still there and beautiful still. Mm-hmm. Because the potion keeps you alive forever. And Ernest gets away. Yeah, he decides he does not want to take the no nope. the potion and gets the hell out of there. And I guess he lives a long and happy life. And no one hunts him down. Yeah, that was something that I thought was very weird. Because, like, they do this scene at his his funeral. Yeah. And they said, like, oh, we don't really know anything about his life from before he was 50. Yeah. But then here's all this stuff about his life afterwards. And it's like, he didn't change his name. Nope. And and then he did all of this stuff that was, like, high profile. Yep. So, how did they not find him in the ensuing... 30 odd years until his death i know it's the weirdest thing because they could have just like the, the the you would think because of the the secret of the the potion that that he knew it mm-hmm. that even isabella rosalini would be trying to track him down as well and she's got like a goon squad yeah she's got and... like an army of men like man servants yeah like this woman's like very old she's 70 80 years old i think she said she was 90 Something like that. She's old. Yeah. Like, she's been around the world, obviously, and she's just like, he can go. Yeah, just let him go. Yeah. We won't find him. Yeah. So, and then, like, but, and then that's the scene I remember at the end, is that they're at this funeral for him, and they've got, like, the the two of them, they're, they kind of have realized that they're stuck with each other, Mm -hmm. which is pretty funny, because they were, like, mortal enemies, but frenemies. Yeah. Mortal frenemies for a long time, and... Now they're like stuck together for all eternity. But the thing is, they're dead. So their bodies are starting to fall apart. And this is many, many seven years later. Like yeah, it's like they, it's 37, like 37, 37 so, yeah. yeah. And then at the end of the funeral, they're, they're looking for more of the shellac in one of their purses because they're, but they're wearing like the big heavy funeral veils and everything. And they leave. Well, eventually they fall down the stairs and, oh, no, sorry, they lift up the veil and you can see their skin is all... Yeah, all gross and badly... Crackling yeah. and it, they just look terrible. They they've look dead. Doing, yeah, they've been doing a terrible job of keeping themselves and in Isabella good shape. Rosalini did warn them. Yep, it's true. You've got to take care of your body and they didn't do that. They literally died the first night that well, Madeline they, got it. Yeah, that Madeline got it. So they fall down the stairs and fall apart. At least Helen got to enjoy it for a little bit. And she got to make a book about enjoying it that was kind of fraudulent. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, so then they fall down the stairs and they fall apart. And that's one of the scenes I remember is they trip on the can that they were looking for and down the stairs they go and literally shatter. Yep. And their body pieces are all crawling around and everything like that. And that's it. That's the movie. That's the whole movie. That's I think that's the first full like synopsis that we But that's done. the thing, like I'm just like the movie, like I said, the plot itself is really overall fairly bare bones. Mm-hmm. It's like two women are jealous of each other. They separate over time. They get back together. They try to kill each other. Then they're stuck together forever from taking this potion. End of movie. Right. So, like, some high points that I would like to point yes, out about the movie. When they go to the hospital, for the next little while, the movie is very funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. Like, that, that is... The hospital scene is the best part of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so funny. So, for me, that was one of the major highlights. And then also, the effects of like this, of that sequence before the hospital and after the hospital when Helen falls down the stairs and gets up and walks around, like all broken and backwards. Mm-hmm. And then when Goldie Hawn gets the hole blasted in her, and then they have a rather lackluster shovel fight. They could yeah. have had a much better shovel fight. I agree. But the effects, like the hole in the stomach and, and like her head flipping around. Yeah. And like all of that stuff is great. Like all the effects are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So that for me, that's some stuff that stuck out as like really good stuff. Well, and I, I found every scene that Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep had together, they had a really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. They, they did a really good job of conveying that frenemy energy, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like- that like faux friendliness that masks like a competitive like dislike for each other. They really did like they drove the movie and like they were really fun to watch and they were both really funny in it. And like Goldie Hawn is known as like she's beautiful, but she's known as a comedic actress. And Meryl Streep isn't always known for comedy, but Meryl is hilarious in this. Sure. <laughs> she is dark comedy hilarious. I, I suppose, yeah. Uh, There's, It's not the same as like laugh out loud, you know, fart joke funny. Yeah, no. But that, she, she's not Austin Powers, no. but in a dark comedy, she's hilarious. Like, this is the kind of movie I would expect from like John Waters, not, you know. Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis. And she's that kind of funny in this movie. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Like it, it has a John Waters quality to it. When I saw that it was Robert Zemeckis, I was actually very like, really? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it just does not seem the type of movie that he would have done. I mean, I guess I don't, I guess I'm basing everything off of Back to the Future and maybe a couple other movies, but yeah. Well, that is kind of what he's known for. Right? Exactly. So yeah. despite the fact he's, he's directed other huge movies i would say back to the future is still is like number one what he's what he's known for mm-hmm. so i mean like he did uh forrest gump oh yeah yeah but like even then you, you think it's back to the future yep so it was actually like the first big screen is the word i was looking for big screen movie he directed after back to the future part three. Oh, okay yeah because he did uh, Back to the Future, Amazing Stories, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, mm-hmm. Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3, a TV movie, and then Death Becomes Her. And then Forrest Gump. And then Contact. 
A lot of big movies. Contact, yeah. yeah, Contact. Remember nice. Contact and everybody was really excited for it and then it wasn't that great? I've never seen it. <gasps> you never seen Contact? Nope. Wow. That's okay. I've, I haven't heard good things. I heard that the alien is her dad or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the alien is her dad. People were really disappointed because it was supposed to be like this big thing and then it... Well, it had Jodie Foster in it. Jodie Foster. She's very well known for picking and choosing, you know, only the best kind of a thing. Yeah. So... But yeah, it like it was funnier than I thought it was going to be, and more slapstick than I thought it was going to be. But like the slapstick that I saw was bigger, but more condensed, and then I thought it was going to be more of the like gore, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but stretched out, but not in a slapsticky way, like. That makes sense. Because like I said, I thought it was, when I went into the movie, I was like remembering them competing through the whole movie for like more potion and that's not right. So no. I'm probably confusing with another movie. Quite so possibly. Picturing like Goldie Hawn walking around most of the movie with a hole in the stomach, which isn't the case. No. Like, she, it's in it's in it for a little bit. Yeah. You yeah. don't, you see, and the scene they do with it is great because like the water is dripping out of her stomach because she comes out of a like a fountain and everything that see that that effect is fantastic yeah. and when she sits on the couch and the shovel goes through her torso hole yeah is, is great yeah yeah no that was a great effect as well but yeah i mean i guess that's what we thought of it critics in 1992 had their own thoughts on this movie so laura why don't you fill us in on some past reviews well this is one of our lower scoring ones i would say mi- middle scoring ones on rotten tomatoes it has a 54 percent critical rating and a 61% audience rating. Mm-hmm. Gene, Cisco, and Roger Ebert both gave it a thumbs down. Both said the film's effects were good, but didn't think it lacked any real substance or character depth. I disagree. The substance, I agree. Character depth, I disagree. But I feel like it's one of those movies that, like, it was written by men, but the frenemy angle and how well it's played out is a good depth i would i would say mm-hmm. uh michael sragow from the new yorker said at the film's peak zemeckis the cast and the special effects team achieve a deluxe macabre slapstick i agree and then jay boyer of the orlando sentinel said this new horror comedy has to be one of the most heartless mainstream pictures ever made heartless yep wow yeah but this movie is an Academy Award and BAFTA winner. I'm assuming for the effects. 100%. Yeah. And just so you know, there is actually a... Because this movie has gone on. It's really... Uh, it has a very large gay following. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it even... There was a drag parody show called Drag Becomes Her starring Jinx Monsoon, who you might remember is the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race I do remember five. who Jinx Monsoon is, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Jinx Jinx has been in the uh, the drag version of the movie. It is it's one of those movies. It 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 didn't like it did pretty well at the box office. Critically not great. Got those awards, but it it has gone on to have kind of a cult status. Mm-hmm. I would say this. Watching it, I'm like immediately, yeah, this is a cult classic kind of movie. More than anything else, this movie is like a cult classic. You, it just has that vibe to it. Okay. So then, in that case, your review, what what did you think of the movie looking back at it? I think it was funnier than I was expecting, mm-hmm. but in that dark comedy kind of way. I really appreciated the two female leads. They did a great job. 
I can't help but picture what Kevin Klein could have done with the role because he's so funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has an Oscar for a comedy role, which is very rare. Bruce Willis still did good, but I mean, he's no Kevin Klein. Let's be real. No. But overall, it didn't live up to my expectations. Mm-hmm. So I am going to give it a plane. Okay. Okay. I had a feeling that's might where be where yeah, you. Yeah, I'm. Sa- I settled in on plane pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I was quick to give it a burnt. Oh, but, I'm not surprised. But, but, the more I thought about it, that hospital scene is just so funny, mm-hmm. and the effects are so good that I am going to give it a plane. Really? Yeah. I thought the whole time we were watching it, I just, I was like, oh, he's already given it a burnt. We're not even done. He's, <laughs> he's burning it down. I, I was until we got to the staircase. And then from there on, like the only thing that really like before they get to the staircase and she goes down the stairs and comes back and the effects are great and, and, and then it gets really, really funny. The only part that I really enjoyed was when, she takes the potion, and after she takes the potion, Isabella Rosalini goes, now to warn you. And she's like, now you warned me? <laughs> like, that part I really, I thought was very funny. Yeah. But other than that, like, up until that point, I, yeah, you're, I would have, I would have given it a burnt if the movie had just stayed that course. It yeah. has, like, the, the first half of the movie is really just set up to why the It was a lot of setup. Yeah. A lot of setup. It's a lot of setup, I agree. Yeah. And, and like I said, if, if it wasn't for the really good effects, like, they're so... They, they, for that time? Like, yeah. this is pre-Jurassic Park special effects. Yeah, like, there's very, there is very few shots where it's, like, very, I mean, like, you can look at it and be like, oh, well, that's clearly her head blue screened onto somebody standing there backwards kind of a thing. Yeah. But like, it's still very well done. Mm-hmm. Like you can see the edges, but the the main point is still looks great. Yeah. So, and, and I mean like. The whole and Goldie Hawn stuff. Yeah, the, I, the Goldie Hawn I stuff. I have no idea how they would have done that. Yeah. Like it, they, they did a really good, like I'm assuming they, they shot everything like a plate, an empty plate without the actress there. And then she wore like a blue shirt underneath. They must have. Yeah. But like, and cause it's one of those things, right? Like, especially this time I, I always go back to like, did this come out pre or post Jurassic Park? Cause we yeah. know Jurassic Park kind of like changed the world when it came to special effects. Yeah. So for a movie to come out before Jurassic Park and have effects where I'm like, that looks really good. Yeah. Like, like there's shots where it's uh Meryl Streep and then she gets hit in the head and her head flops backwards, and then she grabs it and puts it back, and it's all like the same shot. Yeah, like it's so. I, I'm watching it. I'm like, where are the where are the seams here? Yeah, and I couldn't catch them. Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 why that and the how funny that the hospital scene was is is what wow. raises it. Oh, I'm glad okay. it wasn't another burnt pick from Laura. No. Now on that note. On that note, that is going to do it for this week's episode. But next week, we will be taking a look at the Karate Kid. I had a feeling. Yeah. When we first talked about Cobra Kai a while ago, we said we were going to watch the Karate Kid first. And and then you just were like, we'll never get to it. And then we'll... So you wanted to watch Cobra Kai. So we did it. We, we did watch Cobra oh, Kai. I loved and it was so good. So that show... Uh, some of the stuff... 
plot wise doesn't make a ton of sense. No, but it's just so well done. Yeah, I just want to watch more Cobra. Kai. That show is so good. It's it's so much better than it has any right to be. It really is. And I, I I figured once we started watching it, I'm like, okay, whenever we finish it, we'll do Karate Kid, which has has Kid. A, Kid which has unfortunately dropped that I've had two picks from the same year in a row. That's okay. Because the I same almost picked Karate Kid, but then you had the same year the year before. So yeah. I was like, oh, the game will do Death Becomes Her instead. Yeah, but I, I, I was like, I want to do it after we watched, after Cobra Kai was over. Yeah. So, so now that we finished Cobra Kai, we're gonna do, we're gonna do Karate Kid, and I, I feel like we're gonna watch it, and I'm gonna be like. Man, Cobra Kai did such a much better job of telling the story <laughs> so than the much. movie did. So, so we'll see how we feel about that next week and whether Cobra Kai is better. And you don't There's need to watch so many crop tops oh, on be, dudes. It's gonna be a lot of crop tops. Yeah. I'm just excited to hear uh, "Put Him in a Body Bag, Johnny" again because that's it's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, for this episode of Burt Popcorn, I am Mike. I'm Laura, and we will. We hope you'll join us. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I need to rewrite this ending. We hope you'll join us on our next episode. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye-bye.